Um, our scripture tonight is from the book of Matthew. Uh, it's Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 26. And the scripture is up on the screen here. It's from the NIV. The Bible's in your pew there also from the NIV as well if you want to read along. Starting in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and then remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Sends the reading of the word of the Lord. Um, all year long, we've been in this series uh, called Rooted, and this month in particular, it's uh, called Rooted in Community, and we're looking at what does it mean to be in community together. And last week, we told the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, and when he came to Peter, Peter said, no, you cannot wash my feet. You remember that story? It's like, no, and, and Jesus says, Peter, you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. And we really dove into what does it mean to allow Jesus to wash our feet, Jesus to hold our feet, and, and what does it mean for us to wash the feet of other people. And I just want to share with you that, uh, you know, I get up here and I, and I uh, spend time each week in the Word, like, you know, preparing a sermon to come and share with you all. And because I'm in it, it, it actually really begins to transform my life, whether I want it to or not. It begins to have an impact. And so the things that I say to you on Sunday, I still carry them with me throughout the week. And that's one of the reasons why we put the scripture in the email for you all, so that you can read it at the beginning of the week and let it marinate and let it be a part of your meditation, let it be a part of your life. Um, you don't have to share a sermon on Sunday, but that it, it gets into the blood, it gets into your bones. Um, so I just, it's a continuation thing for me that we are called as people to wash the feet of our city. You know, this is Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday that we celebrate as Drew was leading us, uh, that Jesus went into the city of Jerusalem and they waved the palms and they shouted, Hosanna, King, you're the King, you're the Messiah, you're the one that's going to liberate us, you're going to set us free. Uh, today's the day Roman occupation ends, like, you know, we are going to conquer we are going to liberate. Meanwhile, Jesus is weeping over the city because they don't understand. They don't understand that, that we're not going to conquer by sword. We're going to conquer by serving. We're going to conquer by being on our knees, washing people's feet. It's so radical what Jesus is bringing to bear on these people's lives. And, and the reason that we're going back here on Palm Sunday, back to the Sermon on the Mount, because that's really where Jesus lays out the vision for what his kingdom is going to be about. 
So as he's going into Jerusalem to be the new king of Jerusalem, the new king of the world, he's been, if we want to understand his vision, we've got to go back to the Sermon on the Mount to really understand what it was that he was bringing. Because even though he had given that sermon, people still didn't understand. And in Matthew chapter 5 at the beginning, he lays out and he gives this beautiful vision of the Beatitudes and his kingdom where the world is flipped upside down where the, the poor become rich, the rich become poor. In his kingdom, it's so different. It's so different. And then he goes on to say that the church is the salt and the light of the earth. You're the flavor. You bring the flavor out. You bring the light out. You, you expose things, but in the best way possible. In the best way possible. You frame, you bring the color. You know that's what light does, right? It brings the color. The church is the salt and the light. And then he goes on to say that we are called to fulfill the law as his people. And see, there's this parallel happening between Jesus and Israel that Matthew is making. See, see Israel had been set free uh, from Egypt and they had gone through the waters. And Matthew said, Jesus has been baptized. And where did Israel go? They go out into the desert. And Jesus has been out in the desert where he was fasting and he was praying he was being tempted, and Israel went out into the desert. And what else happened in the desert is that Israel was given the law through Moses. And Jesus, after being in the desert, will go to the uh, Sermon on the Mount and share this law, share this new way of life. And you see these parallels happening, but Jesus is going to take it to a whole other level. He's going to say, you, you are called to fill the law. So let's start with the easiest one, the one that none of you are guilty of, right? The real easy one. The one that we go, I can check that one off. I haven't done that yet. Maybe some of us here, but I, I haven't done that one yet, which is murder. And Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, thou shalt not murder. And he's saying that is it, that they had heard that from the Pharisees and the scribes, and they had heard a certain teaching with that, thou shalt not murder. But Jesus is going to take his scalpel and begin to cut us right down the middle. From, from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, he is going to cut us open. Because he is looking for something in us that one day leads us to be murderers. In fact, it's even more uh, serious than that. See, Jesus, in, in, verse 26, in verse 21, when he talks about you shall not murder, he's referencing back to Exodus where they're given the law, where they're giving the Ten Commandments. And then in verse 22, he uses this word raka, which means fool, to call somebody a fool. That if you call someone a fool, if you're angry with your brother, if you call someone a fool, that you have committed murder. What? And he says that you are on the path to this place called hell. That you're on a trajectory to this place called hell. Now, people think that hell is this scary place because it like it sneaks up on you. You know, you're just like walking along one day and the trap door opens and boom, you're out. You know, you're waking up and you're in hell. Um, and, and it is a surprise, but it's, it's, not, it's not like that. It surprises you because 
It's a trajectory. It's a trajectory that happens over time that you find yourself in. And it's also a real place. When Jesus talks about hell, he's actually talking about a real place. It was a place there outside of Israel that had become a garbage dump. It was a place that historically had become famous because Israel's kings and some of their people had sacrificed their own children there to other gods. So it had become a cursed place. The, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah said it was the valley of slaughter. The people had sacrificed their own children to try to appease the gods. And it had become a cursed place. It had become a garbage dump. And he says, if you are angry at your brother or sister, if you call your brother raka or fool, that you're on a trajectory there's something growing in you that will lead you to the valley where you'll end up sacrificing your children. It's like, take it easy, dude. <laughs> like, whoa. But the cancer that grows, Jesus is after it. The one that we don't even see, the one that's in there secretly growing. He's going in there and going, man, where is their bitterness? Where is their arrogance? Where is their pride? Where is their, this idea that you think that you are better than others? We got to find it. We got to cut it out. So I ask you tonight a very serious question. Maybe you want to write it down. Is there anybody that you're angry at? Is there anybody that you're angry at? Just take just a couple seconds to think about that in your life, to kind of scan, you know, scan this past week. For some of us, you know, we're angry at people maybe out there. Some of you may be angry at people in here. Just scan. Is, is there somebody? You know, take note. I used to do this when I was running. That was the time that when I was being in pain, my body's like shutting down, like, you can't go any further. Then I would remember like, oh man, I was like really mean to Hampton this past week. Like, holy crap. Like, I, gotta, I need to like go apologize to that guy. Know, something about being in pain and pain, you know, they like, like bringing these things out. But to, to think about who are the people this week that I've carried anger towards. And then maybe it's people in here. Maybe it's parents. Maybe you have anger towards parents. Um, if you don't think you do, just go see a counselor. Um, <laughs> Maybe you have anger towards a sibling, uh, a friend from your past, maybe, uh, maybe a spouse, maybe one of your children, maybe yourself. Who are you carrying anger towards? That God wants you to deal with it. 
And you ask yourself, well, how do I deal with anger? One, one of the things that I, I, I see a lot in the Christian faith is when I begin, because I also have a counseling degree, so I do talk to people about their parents and how angry they are at their parents, even though they don't know it, is um, one of the things that happens a lot of times is that people say, no, 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 I'm not angry at my parents. I'm just frustrated. Or I'm annoyed. Okay, so then I begin to ask, well, what happens when somebody annoys you over a long period of time? You begin to get frustrated, right? Just come babysit my kids for like a day or something. You'll, you'll begin to get frustrated, right? And then what happens when you get frustrated is that you get, you get, what do you say? Angry. Yeah, it's a word, Angry. And so we hear, we hear in the Bible, do not, you know, be angry or do not let the sun go down on your anger, which is a good thing, good practice. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. But, but when anger is there in our hearts, we have to be honest about it. We have to be honest about it. And what is the next step after? What is the next step after admitting to anger, confessing anger? is learning to grieve. Because behind anger is pain. Behind anger is disappointment. Some of us access our anger really easy. It's really easy for us to get angry, but it's hard to connect with the pain behind it. Some of us have a hard time even being honest about the anger, and we have to work on that. But then we have to learn to grieve. And grieving, grieving is such a a step of faith. Because when you grieve, you begin to open up your heart to the greatest longings that you've ever had. And you are basically beginning to say, somebody else is going to have to hold me in this. Because I'm about to come undone. I'm not even going to be able to hold myself. And that's where I get that image of Jesus holding us, Jesus being a surgeon. Because when you begin to enter into this process, it is truly a step of faith. Can God handle my pain? Can He handle my anger? Can He handle uh, my disappointment? And I'm happy. I'll be here after uh, church. I'll stay up here. If you have any questions about that, uh, Sarah Claire, who's on staff with us, um, she's also a counselor. We have other um, people who run story groups. If you have any questions, we, we would love to talk to you more about that. Um, when Amy and I first started dating and, and hanging out, we were, we were in Puerto Rico, and, and we were going through uh, some counseling classes together. And um, they had told us, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And I think for the first 10 years, we, lit, like we did that. And then we had like our 20th child and we were like, you know what? I think we just like fell asleep, like, like fighting. We were like, ugh, like we threw the last punch and then just like passed out on the floor. Uh, but I'm telling you for 10 years, and I know some of you ha- have tried to practice this as couples. Oh my gosh, such a gift, such a gift to not let the sun uh, go down on your anger. And when we talk about this, this second part of the scripture, verses 23 to 24, 
we really begin to see a window into the heart of God. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, you're giving your tithe to God, you're being generous to God uh, and to His body, the church, and there, verse 23, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Something against you. This is really for the offending party. So it's, if I have done something to, um, to my wife, Amy, this is, I know that I've done something to her that is, is wrong or is mean, uh, that I've sinned against her, that I, if I remember, this is not for the victim, this is for the offender, leave your gift there in front of the altar. So the image, you know, somebody's going, they're giving their gift to God, they're putting their, 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 their first fruits, the fattened calf, whatever it is, they're, they're giving this gift to God, to the local body, to the temple at that time. And this is how the priests are going to eat. This is how the church is going to survive. This is how the church is going to continue to have worship services. This is how the church is going to continue to minister to the poor. And, and, and God is saying, Jesus is saying, if you really want to help the church, if you really want to help this community, if you want to do something that's going to leave a lasting impact, if you have offended, if you have done something to someone else that you know you were wrong for, leave right now and go and reconcile. Then later you can come back and give that gift. But the thing that's going to have the greatest lasting impact is for you to go and reconcile. Sometimes these things are not as clean as, as we want them to be and, and, and they get kind of gray and, and we need community to help process these things. We need community to, to kind of sort through it and, and figure it out. And, and wait, wait, you know, who, who was the first one to offend? And things can get muddled. But I just want you to know that for me personally, I have been on the receiving end of someone coming and doing this to me. Even recently. And it is such a gift. It is such a gift to have someone come to you and say, I wronged you. I am so sorry. You know, I think it, it wasn't until 1990 that East Germany officially apologized to the Jewish community. It's a long time. Don't wait that long. As a collective body, as a church, who are the people that we need to apologize for? that we need to apologize to. We're, we're involved in this conversation with Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church, and after the last conversation, they, they grabbed myself and, and Dr. Kisner, took us into this room. I had no idea. They have a radio show. And I was on the radio for, in, in, in the community, and Dr. Kisner was talking about our community and, he, and about our church, and he said, you know, the thing about Providencia that really changed things for us is that when they came, they just wanted to listen. 
If, if they had preconceived notions, they put them to the side, they humbled themselves, they sat at our feet, and they just wanted to listen. I would invite you to come and be a part of that conversation. Because it has been healing for me in my own story, in my own life, as far as my past, my history, my relationship with the African-American community in this country. And it's an incredible resource for me personally and for this church. What does it look like for us as a community to go to those who, who we have offended, who we have wronged, and maybe for you in particular. Maybe there are people that you think of, that you can think of now. This is someone that I have wronged, and I need to go and speak with them this week. I'm telling you, if you really, really want to make a difference in this city, in this community, that will make a huge difference. I got called to jury duty this past week, and um, I think they should call that a day at the matinee. Um, because you get to watch some free films. But uh, when, when I got there, it was my first time. I'm 42 years old. I've never done jury duty before. I've never been called, never been asked. I don't know what happened. I got on, like, the, the blacklist or something. And, um, but they, they, I got in there, and, um, you know, it, it's, it was, like, serious. This is, like, serious stuff here, you know? And they're telling us, like, hey, this is, like, part of our civil duty that we are going to be the jurors and we're going to like decide someone's fate. Whoa! Like I was feeling the weight of that. I was like, man, this is like heavy stuff. I don't know if you've been in a courtroom lately, but they're not a place that I just want to go and chill out in. I mean, that's an intense space, right? When you go into a courtroom, I mean, if you're, if you're on your phone, you're messing around, and the judge is like, no. Like contempt of court. They'll call you out, right? They'll like bring you up in front. You'll be, you'll be on co- in court on trial next week, right? It's like serious. And Jesus is saying, if your brother's taking you there, if your sister's taking you there, man, you better start talking fast. I don't want you to go there. I don't even know if lawyers want to go there. <laughs> they want to settle, right? Let's get this done before we have to go there. Because Jesus says, if you go there, the judge, man, you're guilty. You're going to be handed over to the officer. The officer's going to take you to prison. And you ain't getting out till you pay every last penny. So Jesus is turning up the heat, you guys. He's like, you're the salt of the earth, church. Woo! Uh, you know, you, you are such a gift to the world. You bring the flavor. You bring the color. And you've got to fulfill all the commandments. You've got you to live into this righteous life. And we're just going to check off the easy ones first, right? Don't murder. And Jesus is like, no, 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 don't be angry toward your brother and sister. Don't call somebody a fool.
If there's anything that you have done to offend somebody else, go seek them out and seek reconciliation. Because there's a trajectory that we are on. You know, my, my, my grandmother is in hospice care right now. Um, uh, uh, I know Becky. Um, Becky just lost her mom. Uh, Scott Hansel, he just lost his father on Friday night, or on Thursday night. And I've been thinking about death a lot lately, and I've been thinking, man, when we get to the end, you know, it really makes a difference at the end, whether you've been practicing this or not, or you've just been letting it slide, just kind of holding on to anger here and there, bitterness here and there. All of a sudden, it's like, man, you get to the end, and you're a mess. You can't keep it in inside anymore, and the poison just starts coming out. Man, to be a person that lives into reconciliation for a lifetime. What a difference. And Jesus you know, taught us to pray Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I, I was just thinking about, um, you know, the crossroads. I was talking to Drew this week about musicians who kind of, you know, sell, sell their souls to the devil, right? And, and, and Johnson at the crossroads and that history, right? And Jesus is saying at some level, we sell out. We sell out and, and, and we go, man, I got to hold on to my bitterness, my anger, I'm going to be the judge. And I, I'm, I'm going to hold on, and I'm not going to go and, and humble myself and apologize because I've got to hold on to this pride that I have. And Jesus is like, man, you, you've sold out. Now you owe the devil. <laughs> You're in debt to him. But Christ in his life settles our debt to set us free, to set you free. If you've been holding on to anger or bitterness, God's not holding on to it towards you. It's been let go of. It's been let go of. And Jesus has opened himself up to you. Because the whole thing that he is showing us here is that he never closed his heart. His heart has always been open to you. And he's inviting you to open yours up so he can heal it. So he can heal ours collectively as a community. It's one thing to have healing personally, you know, just as an individual. Can you imagine being in a community that would be healed in this way? A community where we are seeking out reconciliation together. Where I offend someone, they come to me, and I, I apologize to them, or I know that I've offended somebody and I go and proactively seek them out you imagine living? I want to be in a community like that. And guess what, guys? I've been, I've been a pastor now for a while. I've been doing counseling for a while. 
And this stuff is messy. We don't have it all figured out, like all the details of all, how all that happens. And we know that we're going to hurt each other. But to be in a committed relationship where we are working together to get through these things, I'm telling you right now, it is the glory of God to the world. It is the glory of God to the world. He has paid our debt to set us free. If you are like me and you believe that, you are living on borrowed time. My life should have ended a long time ago. I didn't think I was going to live past 18. And some of you who know me well, now you know the stories. You're like, yeah, that's true. I didn't think that, you know. I feel like I am living on borrowed time. and My life is not my own. That it belongs to Jesus in his way. I want it to absorb every part of who I am. And I want to be in a community together where we are seeking his way. And I thank you for the ways in which you are doing that with us. Let us pray.